and just start off chatty maddie's final episode we were trying to figure out how jake should respond to a girl on tinder okay guys let me give you the rundown oh god so there's this girl that lives in my building i just downloaded this today by the way i was like what's up with it and sure i did have an account for a while though I have. I got uh, 99 plus likes on here. You know, I'm big Keep dog. Keep going with the story. Anyway, I matched with her, and it stunned me. And then I said, oh, hey. And she said, hey, LMAO. And I'm trying to figure out how to respond to it. I'm thinking about just saying, like, what's up? The biggest mystery of all, will Jake ever find a girl? Hey, I had a girl. <laughs> Final episode, Chatty Maddie. We have two very special guests with us, James Russell Lanigan the third. Yeah, 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 yeah. And of course Jacob Henson. Whoop whoop big trust. So this is gonna be a little bit of a different podcast. We're gonna take a little bit of a different route, a little bit of a side road. But there is still definitely a mystery. Interesting. A conspiracy theory. We could argue over it, but I think you guys would all will all be on the same. The date is June twelfth, nineteen sixty two. It is seven in the morning, and an alarm bell for morning call goes off. At a prison sitting on a lonely island, just a mile and a quarter off of San Francisco. Right You're really setting the scene right now. I like it. <laughs> I feel Just, like I'm there. I did too. I was I closed my eyes for a second. I, I could feel the sea breeze on my face. The seals in the background. Yeah, and then the the siren going off. Okay. And all the citizens of sea of San Francisco are like peacefully asleep in their the beds. Fuck? God damn it! The prisoners are waking up again. Okay. Just a mile and a quarter from San Francisco, this prison is also known as The Rock, or as we know it, Alcatraz. Ooh, Alcatraz. Al Capone. Ghosts. Okay, so a little bit of background information. It was built in 1934, and it held captives since the Civil War. This prison, as we all know, is surrounded by, like, really bad waters. Like, it's cold. It is either 48 to 54 degrees Fahrenheit all year round. It is choppy. It's the Pacific Ocean. It yeah. is hell. Oh, they, they, have, they have sharks in there, too. Yeah, I was just about to say that. I'm pretty sure they have, like, sharks around the island. Really? And there's, like, seals. Well, yeah. But not only that, but, like, the currents there are really bad, yeah, too. Yeah, the yeah, currents they pull out, out to the out. sea. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. They suck you out to sea. Yeah, the currents are really bad. It's just really bad. Harsh waters. But not only that, but Alcatraz itself, like, it had really strong... Like, at the time, like, the bars in the prison were really strong. They had, like, a lot of guard towers... That were strategically placed. Um, they had very strict rules, and like they had a lot of um, prisoner counts throughout the day. So at at a point in time, it was the world's most secure prison. Oh, definitely. Like I said, um, they had various prisoner checks throughout the day, including ones in the morning. And there was a morning bell that rang at seven a.m. And when the bell rang, all the prisoners usually just woke up and started their day. But on June twelfth, nineteen sixty-two, all but three prisoners got out of their bed. And so the, the guards were sus. They were like, all right, what are these guys doing? They're just still chilling in their beds. So one of the guards goes into one of the room of the inmates' cell, and they, like, kind of nudge the body. They push him, and off falls his head right onto the floor. Literally yeah. just rolls off. And then that's when they find out that three inmates have escaped Alcatraz. And the whole prison went into lockdown, and an intensive search broke out, and it involved the FBI the Coast Guard, and the Bureau of Prison Authorities. Like, everyone was involved on this. What the hell happened? 
Not a good look. Not a good look at all. Uh, so much yeah. for most secure yeah. prison. You gotta live up to the name we'll that you get, live We'll by. get a little bit more into that later on, because, like, it did, like, a little bit downgrade. Yeah, this was on, when it was on its downfall. Yeah, yeah. 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 there no more. But what happened was four inmates were actually involved, but only three escaped. So the police were able to, like, talk to that fourth roommate. To Inmate, sorry. I'm probably gonna say that a lot. They talked to that fourth inmate that didn't um, make it out. So they kind of got a lot of, like, the information about, like, the planning and stuff from him. And so there were four involved. The one was Frank Morris. He was in his 30s during the escape. He's been in trouble with the law since he was 13. <laughs> his parents basically, he didn't have parents, basically. They just abandoned him. He was in foster care. And ever since he was 13, he was just in and out of jail. And he was serving time at Alcatraz for robbery. And he became a prisoner in there in 1960. This guy is a fucking menace. Yeah, he was just a menace straight up. <laughs> but then there are the Anglin brothers, John and Clarence. They were both in their 30s during the escape. They were all, they also robbed the bank, so that's what they were serving time for. But all three of these men had history of escape attempts in the past. So, like, they were in and out of jail, so they kept trying to escape. And that's they just basically the sent him to Alcatraz. Yeah. Because yeah. they were like, all right. You this... can't escape this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, and actually these brothers met um, Morris in a penitentiary in Atlanta. So they knew this guy, too, before they <laughs> came to Alcatraz. They're like, what's up, yeah. partner? Yeah. Hey, welcome back. <laughs> they all, they what they all you this guy? What's going on? <laughs> they all got their letter and they're like, oh, we're going to the same place. Yes. Super happy. <laughs> and then the fourth inmate that was involved but never was able to escape was Alan West. And he was serving his second term at Alcatraz. And he basically takes responsibility of the whole mastermind behind the plan, which might be Didn't because... even make it out? Well, <laughs> that guy yeah, sucks. But like I said, let me explain a little bit more and you okay. might have a different opinion. But in early 1960, West actually was the one who approached Morris about... Um, a plan to escape and it all popped into his head because he was able to work in the cell house maintenance crew so he had access to all of Alcatraz's layouts its blueprints its weaknesses he knew the ins and outs of Alcatraz Good and idea. so this yeah. also goes back to saying how during this time Alcatraz was on its downfall prison wasn't holding up very well and the budget that they had was very low so like they were using prisoners as maintenance people. Like, they just didn't have, like, a very good secure system anymore. West was able to work as a maintenance person in all the cell blocks. So, like I said, he knew the ins and outs of Alcatraz, basically. And he came up with the idea because he was in a utilities corridor and he saw multiple saw blades, like, old rusty saw blades. And, like, an idea popped into his head, like, shit, I have access to this. Like, yeah, you know, it. like, let's do something. And so he also found out, like, through the blueprints of Alcatraz that above cell block B, there are ventilators on the roof of the Alcatraz, but they're usually sealed over with concrete. But there's this one ventilator that isn't sealed over with concrete, and he found that out. So what happened was once they discovered this ventilator, all four of the prisoners requested to be moved <laughs> B, and all four of those requests were accepted and not only were they able to move to cell block B, but they were all moved adjacent from each other. So all four of them yeah. were like looking across from each other. Jeez. They were all together. I don't know who's running Alcatraz. Yeah, that, that's a dumb <laughs> decision. It, it was, oh, Man. just wait, it gets worse. It was like a field day here. 
think we see like one of them. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, what try it, try that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. I'm daring you guys to see if you can break out of here. But in the back of each of these cells was a small vent. It was just like like a regular vent, like a regular air vent you guys probably have in your homes, if you know what I'm saying, like mm-hmm. the little rectangular ones. Mm-hmm. So that was probably the size of it. But with homemade tools, actually, let me say this first. Wes, like I said, being on the maintenance crew, he knew that these vents and the concrete wall around it was six by nine in- inches thick. So he knew that they would be able to like bust through yeah. this wall if possible. So what they did was they made handmade tools. They used spoons. Um, they actually took a motor out of an old broken vacuum. It was like kind of like a screw in a way it looked mm-hmm. like. And what they did is they drilled small holes in the side around this vent. Like, if, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So there's the vent and there's they made tiny holes around this vent. Like, they just kept drilling. And how they were able to do this was um so like i said they lived across the hall from each other so not only were they able to keep watch so like one person would drill and the other would like watch out for guards alcatraz the most secure prison in the world had a happy hour (laughs) where the inmates could play their musical instruments for an hour and during this time they would drill and not only that but they would use their instruments and like cardboard and stuff to like hide up their work so, you know, it was just basically, like, they were asking for this to happen. They would work until, like, 5.30 p.m., and they would work all night until, like, before lights out, which is, like, 9. So once they were able to get through the vent, so, like, the night of the escape, when they drilled all these holes in the whatever, so the night of the escape, they went and they pushed through this wall with the vent and everything. They were able to push the vent out and the wall, and behind all the cell blocks was this courier door. It was this courier door, this long hallway. It wasn't guarded or anything. So, like, once they pushed through the vents, they were in this courier door. And at the end of it was a ladder that went up to this uh, landing above, like, the ceiling of the courier door and all the cell uh-huh. blocks. And in this landing was their secret workshop. And all the inmates had access where they were allowed access to this space because they were help- helping, yeah. like, the maintenance crew. So they were all allowed access to this space, whatever. And the prisoners created lookout holes so they could see, like, when the guards were coming. And Wes actually even convinced the guards to give him blankets to cover up the workspace even more because he was saying that the sawdust would get on the grounds below and that to prevent that, that he would need these blankets when really he was just, like, covering up what they were doing. But in this workshop, they they were able to create, like, hell of the tools that they used to escape. And the materials they used were either, like, stolen or donated. Obviously, they made those in famous dummy heads. Yeah. That was made out of concrete powder mixture, skin tone paint, plaster, toilet, soap. Like, these men were, like... <laughs> going all like, out. Yeah, like, not that's incredible. To top it off, Clarence, one of the Anglin brothers, worked in the barber shop. So he had access to hair trimming. So they then glued human hair onto oh, these dummies. Wow. So they looked realistic. Yeah. They were smart. They placed these dummy heads at the end, at the top of their bed, so when um, throughout the night, like the guards wouldn't be able to tell it was them, and it would buy them time in the morning. Like it, it did buy them time in the morning. The guards went by. They were like, "Oh, they're still sleeping," and then they walked back, and they're like, "Okay, they still haven't gotten up. Like, what's up?" They these were actually really smart. They had over like fifty raincoats. I don't I don't know how Holy they got these shit. fifty raincoats, but with these raincoats, they created life preservers like the life vest. And they also created a 6x14 raft. Yes. They sewed these raincoats together. And they learned this out of a mechanics magazine they found in their cell. 
they there was hot steam pipes in the in their secret workshop. Uh-huh. They would use those hot steam pipes to melt the rubber together to make like glue their like seal their raft together. Oh wow! I mean, like I'll it, give credit. Yeah, yeah, it, it, like you have to give these men credit. Like it is unbelievable. They built wooden paddles for their rafts. Holy they, fuck! And you want to know how they inflated this raft? Yes. Have you ever heard a a concertina? No. It's kind of like an um. Oh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. one of those things. One of those. They uh, they do it to blow the, the yes. fires. Yeah. What is it called though? Well, concertina actually, but like. Fire. Fire blower. Fire, yeah, I don't know. But whatever, they converted one of those and it to like pump up the raft. Oh wow! And you know how they got it? They just had to order it. <laughs> the Morris uh, was able to order it through the mail. Um, Why they get yeah. mail? How they can mail the Alcatraz? Like, how are you able to put in an order for something that costs money if you're not making any money? Like, they're working, yeah, but they're working for the prison. They're not doing it for money. Yeah. They're not doing it for Maybe because they just felt bad. They have nowhere else to go. They're on the secure prison. Can I that's, please that's order this air blower? <laughs> they're in prison. Yeah. <laughs> We've got a lot of questions about Alcatraz. Yeah, this is sauce from the... Protocol is well, they were on a... their downfall. As we yeah, but I, I mean... don't give a fuck if they were on their downfall or not. You still gotta follow some <laughs> basic rules. What? So the night of the escape came. And after 9pm, lights out. The inmates put their dummy heads in. They pushed through their vents in their cell block. Here is where Wes got left behind. He wasn't able to push his vent in the wall or whatever. He just had trouble and just eventually was left behind. But once all the three prisoners were in their secret workshop, they climbed through a series of pipes. So the ceiling at the very top was like 30 feet high. And they used a series of these pipes to climb all the way to the roof of the building. And here was another vent. They previously were able to pry it open, and to make it look like they never pried it open, they created fake bolts out of soap. <laughs> and they just placed them there, and all the guards just were like, okay, it's sealed, like, whatever. But anyway, they climbed up the t- uh, pipes, they, like, went through this vent, and it was actually said that around 10.30 p.m., um, people heard, like, a sound, and it is believed to be, like, the vent slamming open from them. So this is why um, it is known so that they, like, escaped around 10.30 and so once they were able, once they were on the roof, they uh, used the bakery smokestacks and they shimmied down them, climbed the 15-foot fence, and they snuck onto the northeast shore of the island. This is where it's all a mystery from there. Yeah. So the inmates' plan originally was to get to Angel's Island, which was like uh, in between the uh, Alcatraz and the mainland. It's just a small, tiny island, whatever. And once they got to Angel's Island, they would then get to the mainland from there. And once they got to the mainland, they would steal, like, clothes, and they would get a car, and they would go where they needed to go. And a few days later, they eventually found the wooden paddles in the water. And then a homemade life vest washed ashore, as did rubber pieces and personal belongings. And these personal belongings were actually wrapped in raincoats and, like, tied with a rubber band. And inside was, like, a photo of the Anglin brothers... Um, their family, a list of people to contact once they were on the outside, and a handwritten re- letter to Clarence Anglin. So, like, like I said, like, it's just a mystery from here. And here's some facts on, there's, because there's only two ways that it could have yeah, gone. Yeah, they died or they, they died, died or they didn't. Yeah. So the reasons, the f- not the facts, but reasons why people believe they did not survive is because, like I said, like they their plan was to steal clothes, steal a car, and everything once they yeah. got on the mainland. No thefts were reported. 
So okay. no one found that there were any thefts. And there were these Dutch scientists that for a, I forget what kind of magazine or whatever they were doing, but they reenacted this situation and found out that, like, with their raft and everything, if they were to, like, make it to, like, what they... If they were to make it to land, two people would have had to keep the raft afloat, and the third would have had a paddle, so it would have been really hard to do that. <laughs> and not only that, but the weather was 47 degrees, and the water would have been 54 degrees, meaning if they fell in, it scientifically mean, like, they wouldn't be able to survive. Like, two hours would have been their max. Yeah. So, like, it just... How good of swimmers are they? Yeah. yeah, that and the currents. Yeah, I was so, going to say, what's, like, what's the moon looking like? Because that plays a big part. I was going to say that. I'll get into a little bit more into, like, that a little, a little bit. But mm-hmm. they all... You know, Dead ass. Like, if it's a full moon, the tide's going to be pulling harder. Yeah, true. Well, yeah, but the, they did, like, look into that. I'll get a little bit more into the information on it. But these Dutch scientists in another study found that the currents were strong enough that um, they would have pulled them to a different bay instead of Angel Island that night. Bad. So, like, I'll get in more to that into, like, um, if they did survive. Here's where things get interesting. So, the swim is possible. As we all know, there's a triathlon that happens at the same time as the escape happened. Many people participate in it, and they really don't have a hard time swimming in the water. It's like a lot lot Mm, of people do it. It seems pretty easy. Another fact is that most of the bodies that are found in the bay... When they're thrown in, they may sink, but they tend to float after a couple of days. Yeah. So, like... They'd find them. They would, they would have found them if they did. All the, all the um, gases blow them up. Yeah. And if they did end up falling in and, like, passing away, they would they would have floated. They would have found them, whatever. U.S. Marshal Michael Dyke. Well, he ran a stimulation with the help of the Coast Guard and found out that if the inmates did fall in, they would have had... They would have been able to survive for two and a half hours. That they were able, like, in that degree of water. And then moving again, like, back to those Dutch scientists. The people, the same scientists that reenacted the stimulation or whatever. Um, they created a computer model of the water conditions that exact night of the escape. And they found that there was a time frame between 11.30 p.m. and midnight. Where the uh, inmates would have had to, like, get in their raft and, like, go. Where the water and the currents would have been, like, good enough yeah. for them to, like, do their plan. And... They believe that they could have successfully pulled this off within this time frame because if you remember, they believe that they were on the roof by ten thirty. Yeah. They heard the noise by ten thirty. Yeah. So if they were on the roof by ten thirty, there was a high chance that they would have gotten to the water by eleven thirty and tw- like twelve ish. Twelve ish. Yeah. So, but this is also like I said, this in this stimulation is where they also discovered that the currents, instead, the currents during this night wouldn't have taken them to Angel's Landing like in their plan. It would have taken them to another bay called Horseshoe Bay. And not only that, but a lot of the items that were found washed up on this certain beach. I think it was like Coulter Beach or something like that. The currents during that night wouldn't have made the items wash that direction. They would have made made them wash on Angel's Landing, if that makes sense. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Like, the currents that were happening that night would have made everything go in a different direction than it seemed. But that doesn't matter, because I'm getting to a more interesting part, because the scientists did find that when they did do the reenactment, they did get close to the Golden State Bridge within an hour, and um, with a little over an hour in the raft, they did get pretty close to the mainland. So they they do believe that it was possible. 
But here's the more interesting part. So, 13 years after the escape, Fred Brizzy, who is a childhood friend of the Anglin brothers, was at a bar in Brazil, and he ran into them. An interesting and he, place to run into yeah. your buddies, Brazil. Brazil. At a bar. And not he... The, not the last... He took a place. photo of them. And he later gave the England family that photo in the 90s. Brizzy has since passed away. Yeah. But experts who are connected to History Channel believe that they are the England brothers in the photo. I don't know. Look up the photo if you want to look it up. But the two suspects are wearing um, glasses, too, in it. But um, anyway, the U.S. Marshals don't believe that it is the brothers because they are wearing the glasses and because of the age of the photo. I guess it was just taken out a really, like, long time ago. It just didn't look good. But getting into even more interesting details, David Widener, the nephew of the Anglin brothers said his uncle John, who was the older brother of John and Clarence, that wouldn't make sense, because no. why would they both name their kids John? <laughs> Robert, that was the name, sorry. Robert. His, David Widener said his uncle Robert, the older brother of John and Clarence, confessed on his dead bed, dead bed, deathbed, deathbed, to his sisters that they did not have to worry about their brothers, that he had been in touch with them and they are okay. Believable. Now. That's a strong, strong statement. David Widener's grandmother, who would be the Anglin brother's mother. Yeah. He said she would receive roses with cards with the brother's signatures on them following the 1962 escape. What if the three of them made a pact? Well, wait, I have more information that that could say they were alive. Multiple family members of the Anglin brothers have seen two unfamiliar females that appear at every, not every, but like a lot of the family members' funerals. They would show up and they would be wearing veils and very heavy makeup. And a lot of them believe that they did escape. Weird. A lot of people, I believe they escaped. I think that they escaped. There's no body to prove that they didn't, so it's only logical to think they escaped. Yeah, I no, think. no, no body, no case. No, yeah, that's. I don't got anything for you. That's what no, I would say if yeah. I was the like the police. Oh the, my god! Whether they're dead or not, those assholes escaped yeah. because there's no body. No, yeah. Think, now the third one. Is it just the two brothers, like the homies in Brazil? Oh, there was no more information about Frank Morris. Uh, I think Frank Morris. He could have survived, I mean, too. Yeah, he could have just been good at disappearing. Yeah, I think he just disappeared. He could, I think yeah. he was like, all right, you guys can do your own thing. I'm going to go. So that makes me think, then, what if he just kept, like, they tried swimming, I think. The I think brothers? I, th- I think all three of them. I think that they got close enough to where the, the raft wasn't working. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they had to probably jump off yes. the raft, right? So when you do that, I don't know if you guys have been on a canoe or a boat, the boat moves back. Yeah. So I'm wondering if he's the last one on there jumping off last and he's jumping further. So he's more in the tide than maybe the brothers are. Yeah. Maybe the brothers are good swimmers. Maybe David Morris sucks at swimming. So Ooh, I think you that really maybe. thought in depth about that. Well, it's kind of not really in depth. That's just kind of logical. Moves back. Yeah. But then, the, but then he jumps, right? He might be deeper in the, the tide. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's why he's going to go out. He's missing both the bay or both the islands. 
Angel and the other one. And he's going past the bridge. Let's see if we can get Because once you go past the bridge, isn't it just ocean? Yeah. Yeah. Fun fact about Angel Island. Yeah. It's the Ellis Island of the West Coast. It is. Yes, it is. Great-grandparents came in through Ellis Island. Your great-grandparents? Yeah. I think mine did, too. Ireland. Ireland, baby! Woo! Let's go! The Troubles. Maddie's the... For all the Where listeners out there, Maddie is German, oh, so Angel you guys Island. know what that means. I go. <laughs> Wiener Schnitzel. Those sound like... Because that's right that near Alcatraz, too, and um, Angel's Island. I didn't know Angel Island was that close to... Treasure Island is Where's huge. Treasure Island is, like, on the bridge. I found Angel Island. Oh, there's San Pablo Bay. What bay are they talking about? There was horseshoe. They mentioned Horseshoe Bay, and they also mentioned. Where is Horseshoe Bay? Look up where Alcatraz is. Alcatraz is just off the right here. See, they were trying to go to Angel's Island. I see Angel's Island. Yeah. And they were gonna get on, but why would they go that way? I got. Why wouldn't they go towards North Beach? Look at how close. Yeah, dude. Why didn't they just go this way into the city? They went the further way. Maybe they didn't want to go into the city. They wanted to go into San Rafael. Hop on the 101 and go north into Santa Rosa. Why they want to go north? Do they want to stay out of the country? I, well, they went to yeah, so they went to go I south. Would, but then they south. still have to go into San Francisco. Damn, dude, that's like the tri-state area right there. San Jose, Oakland, and San Francisco. I didn't know they were right there. Oh, I found Horseshoe Bay. So Alcatraz is right here. Angel Island's right there. Horseshoe Bay is right here. Oh. And you said that they got close to the Golden Gate Bridge? You, the scientists, did. Yeah, they could definitely get there, I think. Then they just get on Moore's, Moore Row and just pick off the houses. They probably wanted to go to Angel's Island because it would have been more easier to get on. Because if you look at the other where, like, San Francisco Bay, like, that's a lot of ports and stuff. They'd definitely be noticeable getting on. Yeah, I guess. Cheeky boy, out this joint. See you later, alligator. Hi.